Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is your man, Cat with Cat Fitness, and you are tuned in to Heal the Hood Podcast, y'all. This is episode two. We're on our second episode already, and I have my partners in crime out here. We got the vegan hood chefs. We got Ronisha and Emi, and... <laughs> we fired up today. We're bringing you a special guest straight out of Oakland. She came to our first Heal the Hood event, Miss Leela Johnson. She's the owner of JSM Fitness, y'all. She's doing her thing in the Bay Area, not only with her apparel, but actually going back into the community and helping educate our inner city communities, y'all. So no longer are we going to be waiting on you know people to make change in our own community we making change as we go right so what's going on miss leela johnson nothing much nothing much i'm happy to be here it's an honor thank you guys for having me um i love the vegan hood chefs shout out to cat fitness for having me on here i love everything that you guys are doing for our community and giving back and also creating a platform for us other black entrepreneurs in the bay area to be able to shed light on health and wellness within the community. So, yeah. So, you know, I just gave a brief introduction. You know, you're from Oakland, California, born and raised? No. So, I'm actually from Daly City. Oh, okay. <laughs> I got a bunch of Shout out Daly City. Shout out from Daly City where the Asians get high feelings. But um, <laughs> I'm from Daly City, so born and raised, grew up in Daly City. Um, and yeah, you know. It's a How'd you make your way to Oakland? So um, I always loved the East Bay growing up. Like I have cousins that are in the East Bay and friends that were from the East Bay. And um, in 2009, when I actually lost my father after I graduated, my older sister moved to Hayward. And she ended up moving my mom to the East Bay because the weather is a little bit better and dealing with, you know, the loss of our father. Daly City is very gloomy, very cloudy, and it's just like heavy, heavy depression, like heavy depression. So we all needed a different change of scenery, um, and that's how we ended up moving to the East Bay. So, yeah. Okay. And then, yeah, I know you and the Vegan Hood Chefs go go back, yeah. back in the day, y'all. So y'all used to kick it a little bit. It's funny how things come full circle. Where did we meet? Like, where did we actually meet? I was trying to pinpoint that. I feel like it's been so long. I think one of my uh, fondest memories is us, uh, you know, dancing real hard at the... Uh, this, the <laughs> uh, yeah. Back then, we used to have, like, team parties or high school kids. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we, they used to have, like, so y'all was back in the day, like so. You know, they actually um had a whole dancing crew, and so, I remember they used to dance like Daly City back in the day or something, and y'all meet up at the oh. club and start battling each other, start popping <laughs> and everything. That's, that's how y'all. And they were actually called Super Thick With It. So it was part of this dance crew called Super Thick With It from San Francisco. And they used to be downtown San Francisco, Daly City, all the parties. It was a mixture of guys and girls. It was and they City Nights. Yes, we were. <laughs> 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 the new generation, that's when it was called The Glow. So, yeah. yeah. And then I think we just continue to stay connected. And then I feel like, 
Um, I think Emi, you were school in Billy City, right? Yeah, so, I met you when I was twelve. Yeah, so Emi went to school in Billy City, and then her and Ranisha have always been in my eyes very close to this effort. So, um, you know, Pops, he she used to come to Daily City and things like that, and then I think we just got introduced, and then just seeing each other at parties and different events. And then we just kind of like say, so. Who would have thought years later, all y'all would have been entrepreneurs? You know what I'm saying? Like growing up, like we all gonna own our business and do our thing, you know what I'm saying? Like making a real impact in the community. That's just a beautiful thing. Like knowing that y'all came from the same community, same hood, and now y'all doing y'all thing, inspiring other young ladies to do it as well. You know? And it's like, growing up, we actually, you know, we I feel like we've all have always been very positive women and just very influential. Um, where a lot of people gravitated towards us and anything that we did, whether it was dancing or anything. Um, we've all also been very, very tough, like very tough in regards to really like hanging with the dudes and you know, having to stand up and to defend ourselves even physically. I think like everybody knows Amy and each family like know each and every last one of us. Y'all was clearing out the club back in the day. See where we are today. I know even some people are shocked that I'm even doing some of the things that I'm doing and just to see where we are today in a more positive light and just changing the community, giving back to the community. It's just amazing to see that growth. You know, it's been a lot of growth, a lot of growth amongst the field that I can personally say. I, yeah. I will also second that information. And I think Rima and I were just talking of Rima and I were just talking about this, that like, it seems like it's a little, not far-fetched, but it'd be like, dang, we can't imagine that we're entrepreneurs now. But when I look back at our early childhood, there were so many like experiences that we had that kind of led us or prepared us for this point. Y'all used to sell candy back in the day? (laughs) Candy at school or something? Y'all was hustling? (laughs) (laughs) You know, making your lunch money? If you look back at your childhood or some of the experiences that you've had really early on, what experiences can you share with us that you feel like prepared you for this moment? I'm Anthony. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, just just growing up. So I grew up. I grew up with my mother and my father in the home. So my dad, he came all the way to California when he was at the age of 14 from Alabama. Like he ran away from Alabama at the age of 14 and came to Cali. And um, he eventually went back to Alabama at the age of 17 or 18, and he ended up bringing my mom with him. And to just see both of my parents, like really get it out the mud and really grind and really work to provide for us. Um, just growing up, always seeing like my dad having multiple jobs, like he was a minister, he was a, um, a park ranger for Coyote, um, Coyote Point Park. He was doing computer technology. My mom was in the medical field. She was a nurse. She was a nutritionist. She was working at a church. So to see them both just always grinding and working, and me always being that child is like, okay, mama, if mama's here, dad is going, and dad is here, and mommy's going. And I'm like, man, my parents, all they do is work. But they also like taught us the value of just like having your own and paving the way for yourself. And I'm I'm one of ten children, same mom and dad. So, you know, growing up, it was a lot of it. And to see that, just see how hard my parents work and to always have talks with my dad about telling us, you know, growing up, I had to do this for myself. I had to send So, for y'all myself. didn't have no cable TV. Pops didn't nah. have no cable. He, he only had one job at the house when he got bored. 
They didn't have no kids. Y'all got Because I remember uh, when we used to go practice at your house for the, all the dances, with, uh, for the talent show, like your dad, your mom and dad, your dad was always working. But when he was home, like he always had like some good like messages and things to tell folks. Yeah. And I was thinking about out of the 10, you are what? Four? The fourth oldest. Say it again. The third oldest. Third oldest. And so, like, what was that transition for you and your siblings, like, you know, after your dad transitioned and just, like, you being one of the fourth and close to all of the younger ones to lead them? Um, it was you know, it was, it was tough. I'm not going to lie. It, it was really, really tough because my father is, is like my best friend my dad mm -hmm. like i remember as a young girl starting my menstrual i ran to my dad like what is this what's going on i don't know my mom um when it came to talk about boys i went to my dad first even though it's contrary like my dad is very tough very intimidating so people would think like why would you go to your dad but um the way that my father just made all feel as his children like he would wake us up in the morning each and every last one of us had our own steak eggs and potatoes i'm plant-based now so i don't promote that but you know, with that meal, he made us clean our room at seven in the morning, prepare school, make our bed, fold our clothes. So for me, when my dad transitioned, and also the way that he transitioned, my dad had heart disease, a pacemaker, so many different things going on with him, and he passed literally after my 18th birthday. So the way that he transitioned, it was a very hard effect on me. Um, where I went from a 4.0 into like a two point or 1.9. Like literally, I remember just sitting in class every day and just literally crying in front of 30 people, not concentrating, not doing any work, and I fell into depression. But one thing that helped pull me out of that, you know, outside of my family and just having the support of close people around me was remembering the lessons that my father taught me of, you know, continue to go, and there's no such thing as can't. So when I be like, I can't do it, I miss my dad, I can't do my work, I can't do school, I can't interact, I can't do this, I'm too depressed, I'm too sad, I would always hear my dad voice after that, there's no such word as can't. I mean, from little kids, he taught us can't, it's not, a, he's like, they'll tell you it's a word, but it's not a word, because you can figure out, you can figure out how to do anything. So I think just having those teachings from early on, childhood, onset, the many talks that my dad had, he actually prepared to say, I'm going to be around all the time. And I would be like 10 and 9, 11, like, why do you keep saying that? Like, why do you why keep you saying that? that? <laughs> like, stop saying that. And he's like, I'm not going to always be around. So you guys, the things that I tell you, you may not get it now, you may not understand it, but remember it. And just to hear his struggle, you know, from growing up in the deep south, dealing with racism and dealing with racist bigots and, you know, just white supremacists and the KKK, and how he had to fight them off. And he stole like a Martin Luther King painting and ran, you know, through the deep South. Like he was telling us this where he didn't really let us watch too much TV. He was our television. So mm -hmm. having, um, you know, that very structured upbringing from my parents is just telling us about their struggles. And I think now in society, we try to hide our struggles from our kids. Just for me being a parent, we try to hide our struggles from our family members, our friends, our close loved ones, because it's like we want to look as if we have it all figured out and we're stronger than what we are. Um, like we live in that perfect life. Yeah, like we live in a perfect life when in reality yeah. your strength comes comes in your weaknesses. 
you know, yeah. being vulnerable, being able to show that, um, that's actually the true definition of me of being strong. And um, that's a really good point that you brought up. And it immediately made me think of kind of around like the social media culture now and how people use Instagram. But I'm wondering, like, where do you think that comes from? That just this need for our generation to be so unwilling to like be vulnerable or show where we're struggling. You know, I think it comes from, I think it's a, it's a form of a generational curse. I think it comes from, you know, there was once someone who went through something and they expressed their weakness to somebody and that their trauma turns into drama and gossip. And I think it's just a repeat cycle of when you think that you're venting to somebody, like they say, be careful, you know, be careful for that listening ear, be careful for that sort of lean on. I think it's just people go through things where they may have vented um, who they thought was the wrong person. That person may have aired their drama or aired their business. Um, and just just being like so consumed by social media of other people portraying this perfect life, getting money, driving yeah. car, wearing materialistic things, being so defined by that. We see that from, you know, watching television, social media, what we listen to, you know, what just just like the whole social media mentality. And I think like people growing up, they also probably seem like protected from their parents. I know people that I grew up with where now they look like their dad. I remember their dad used to wear chains and be on the block and do this. And now they 30, they on the block wearing chains. So I think it's like generation, like generationally passed down from what you see. I call and, them daddies. <laughs> I call them sweatsuit daddies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And just having that pressure of just like entertainment, like, and mostly we see that coming from the black community, like our rap artists, just what's on the TV. And I try to do the opposite, you know, because to me, when my parents call me the flashiest person in the room, the brokest one in the room. You know what I'm saying? So when That's I see real. people wearing, even when dudes try to holler at me, they got on chains and they in the band, I'm like, it's rented, it's your baby mama, and I'm you know, it, it don't excite me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I also have my own rules. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, it's funny when you say that some of the richest people in the world don't even wear name brand stuff. You know, when you talk about like the Bill Gates and the, all these rich ass people that make like the one percenters of the world, you know, you see them and they're wearing new balances and just basic clothes and they're not tripping off that. They don't have to show anybody their value through their clothes and vehicles. You know, they, they understand their wealth. You know, and I think for us, we were taught if you look like money, that means you have money. So we we're mm -hmm. taught about like what people look like. So you see somebody, you see a rapper with chains and money, it's like oh he got money. So you see somebody in the hood with chains and bins, he got money. No, he probably just hit off EDB, but he really ain't got no money. So, so you know, you know what I'm saying? D balling, <laughs> he's swiping the card, huh? Oh, but you know, like you say, the Steve Jobs, the Mark Zuckerberg, like. They shopping at rock. I'm not saying that just because you have money, you should, you know, you should live in this little bubble and not, you know, don't buy this or don't buy that. You know, treat yourself. But I think the people who feel like in order for people to know that I have money, I have to put it all right here. And mm -hmm. to me, like that's not true happiness. Because even the people with the most money, they're dealing with things that they're going through where they wish they were a regular, regular person like you and I because the money has brought so much pain and so much hurt and so much, there's so many rich people dealing with depression. And that's why you yeah. see people with suicide, unfortunately, or they overdose on drugs because you can have all that money, 
But if you don't understand what's going on here and here, and you don't feel loved by the people that help you, that means nothing. And that's why, unfortunately, you see very successful people, you know, taking their lives and just like being very unhappy and trying to soothe that with drugs, sex, and all type of other things that we can get into. So. But I think you bring up another great point. It's because when you're flashy and you're just known for having money, what it, where does that love come from? You know what I'm saying? Do you love me because only because of my love, uh, my, my money, or do you love me as a person, as a human being? If I didn't have none of this stuff, would you still would you still kick it with me? You know what I'm saying? And I think a lot of people when they get, you know, when they get to a certain level of success, if they don't have that. A solid foundation of people that came with them. You start looking around you and it's like all these people around me because of my money and my success and not for the real love. You know what I'm saying? So it goes back to like how we also define what success is and what it looks like. Exactly. And I think our value system. So I'm curious as to you with your entrepreneurship, like what's your goal, your end goal, or like how do you define success for yourself? So me, the final success for me is, you know, being able to, if I want to spend time with my children at any drop of a dime, I can do that. Working for myself, putting my family in position to learn about financial literacy, to be able to know that you can be your own boss and educating other people around me. So in my eyes, I already made it. You know, I'm a store owner. I, I, I live very comfortably. Uh, my mental health is good. My physical health is good. My emotional health is good. My spiritual health is good. Um, to me, making it is not a specific dollar amount. To me, making it is how I truly feel, how I go about living and walking, you know, in my truth in my life. So being able to live life on my own terms, being able to provide my children with the tools of them going through life and obtaining the goals that they have. And, you know, I have, I still have a lot more goals that I haven't achieved yet, but I know I will achieve them with opening up, you know, multiple gyms throughout the area. But within that gym, for me, my gym is not just a regular gym where it's machines. I actually want a youth health center in there. I want to, I want a, um, a juice, a vegan juice bar in there. I want so many different things that I'm not really going to speak on too much, but it's, it's, it's more than just your average this is where you go to exercise because for me, being a transformational coach, it starts with mental health first. So I speak that with my mm-hmm. clients. You know, when you transform your mind, the rest follows. When you're able to heal your body, the rest follows. Um, so to me, it's not about the physical. With consistency, physically, your body will change just with being consistent. Um, but for me, you know, the true wealth is health and the true wealth is in the mind and spiritual body. So. I already made it, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, you know, I'm just- well, You I'm had just somebody help, from what you've been saying, you had your pops help you instill that in you at a very young age, you know, having yeah. a strong mindset and being able to push through the hard times where it seems like nowadays, if people don't see instant success, they're ready to give up, you know what I'm saying? And not understanding that's that's part of the process. You have to go through the struggles to see, see the success eventually, right? Um, so I want to kind of kind of switch gears real quick. Um, we've been talking a, a lot about yourself, and I want to know when was the moment that you decided that you were going to be a like you were going to create this brand, Jason Fitness, that you were going to be a health coach, and when when did that kind of just like this is who I am, and this is what I'm going to give back to the world? When did you have that moment? I would say in 2012. 
So in 2011, I had my son, my first child, and I suffered with postpartum depression. So that's a form of depression that you have post-baby, so postpartum. I actually, um, beknownst to my, to my knowing, I had prepartum depression. And it's a diagnosis that doctors will often um, diagnose women who are carrying their children. And it's a form of depression that you have while with child. Um, they also say that you're more prone to it if you already had depression prior to conception, which I dealt with depression after losing my father. Um, so for me, at that point, there were a lot of things going on in my life in 2011, just with, you know, being, being a mom at that point, being a single mom, because my child got up at the time was incarcerated, and doing a lot of different things, going putting myself through school, um, still dealing with the loss of my father two years later after that, and then also that year, I want to say I lost six additional family members, like, every month back to that. So for me, depression hit me very hard in 2011. And when that happened, I remember just being in such a dark place and just, like, even just begging God, like, just heal me. I don't want to be in this place anymore. And at that time, I was still with me either, eating carnivore, dairy, consuming all of that. Um, but with depression, I actually lost my appetite completely. So I wasn't really even nourishing my body. I lost a lot of weight. You can just tell I was very malnourished. You, you just, I was depressed. You know, oftentimes people, they think depression has a specific look where you can see someone smiling, happy, and don't know that they're dealing with depression. But I think in 2011, if you think of what depression like and you can put an image to a person, that's what I look like to me. So I had a, um, a college friend she was telling me about boxing and she was like, you should try boxing. I'm going through boxing. You know, I've been in a dark place. It has helped me so much. Um, moving forward, I ended up taking her up on her offer. I went to a gym. It was called Lightning Boxing Gym in Oakland. Shout out to Chris Lopez and his wife. And I remember just kind of just being there and just being like, okay, well, I'm here. Let's see, you know, let's see what to do. And whatever it was, that Chris noticed about me that made him call me out, like in front of everybody, like, Lila, you come up, punch the bag and do this and do that. And I remember doing it, but just doing it like, okay, I'm here, let me just do it. And I just remember hearing him continue to tell me like, let it out, release it, whatever it is, let it go. Um, I didn't explain to him anything that was going on in my life, but with him continuing to say that and motivate, I just remember just punching and punching and punching to the point where I just exploded. I was screaming, I was crying, like it really like a movie, screaming, crying. And I just remember just being so mad because I was just literally like laying out every emotion that I had left in me where I just was like. So it allowed you, know, you to have an emotional release, whatever, yes, it you, whatever was built in. Yeah, it allowed me to have an emotional release. And I remember after that, he was like, are you coming back tomorrow? And I was like, mm, no, I'll think about it. Because I kind of felt embarrassed because it was like a gym for a lot of people. But I was like, no, nah, I need to go back. And long story short, I continued all the boxing and it completely just releasing those endorphins. It made me feel better. Like I had multiple releases that happened like that over time. And every time after each release, I felt better. I was like, oh, I, don't feel, I don't feel as sad as I did yesterday. Or I don't feel as foggy in my thoughts as I did yesterday. So I continued to do that. Um, at that time, I think I was like in between jobs or something and boxing was very expensive for me. So I ended up stop, stopping doing the boxing and I just started to work out outside, outdoors. And then I eventually went to Planet Fitness. And long story short, that's when, you know, JSN Fitness was birthed. Just me starting to exercise, 
different women seeing me in the gym. There was a lady in the gym. She's like, I've seen your transformation. She was like, no offense, but you were a heavy lady. And within two months, you're like this petite, curvy girl. Like, I don't understand it. And she was like, I'm getting married in six months. I want you to train me. And I was like, I'm not a trainer, but you can work out with me. She put $100 in my hand and said, well, today you just became a trainer. And I was like, whoa. We got to find that lady and and thank her. She created a monster. Yeah, she always she did. You still know the lady? No, you know what? She ended up, I know her, but she ended up moving to the East Coast. So her husband got a job on the East Coast and she moved. Um, but I should tap in with her. Know on, she changed it. She changed your life. She she exposed yeah. you to something else. You know. Yeah. And like world tour short with that. Huh? Did you hear? I said, did she meet her goal? She met her goal. So she she wanted me to train her. She was like, I'm getting married. She wanted me to train her whole bridal party and her mom. But if you know about Planet Fitness. You know, I had the black card, so you could only bring one person. And she had the black card, she could only bring one person. She's like, I have six brides, my mom, how are we gonna do this? And I was like, well, let's let's train our life. So we trained at a local park, and that's where my fit camps also were at birth, because I was like, I can train more than a scale. And she ended up losing about 35 pounds for her wedding. Her mom lost about 15 pounds. Each one of her bridesmaids lost between 10 and 50 pounds. And I remember we did a video where it was like her before and her after. And she actually like played it at her wedding. And I, I went to her wedding and she was like, I want my trainer to come up to give like a toast to her. And it was just like so amazing. But that's when JSM was birthed. And, you know, it just inspired me that, you know, you never know who's watching and you never know who will need just your support by helping them become accountable. And, from that day forward, I continued to do outdoor camps. And, you know, I was just solely operating like, just like Leela helping people. And then when Instagram came about, my sister's like, I remember all sitting around, they were like, well, what's your name gonna be? What's your name gonna be? And everyone's name is always like JJ Mama 07 or Bay Area, <laughs> Bay Area Girls 2008 or Happy Boy, you know? And I still like, yeah, <laughs> you know. You know D DJ mommy, beautiful mommy. Like it's just, you know, so I was like, I don't want to be Holland's mama. I don't want to be Leela because I don't want everybody to know my name. And my sister's like, just think of any name. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just me. Like, but I don't want to feel Leela. And she's like, well, just put just me. So then I so then I was like, I'm gonna put just simply me. And then I did do the 1021 because that's my son's birthday. So <laughs> you know, so I still fell into the trap. And then when I thought, I was like, well, I need to post my fitness stuff. She was like, you need a separate page for that. So my fitness page, I was like, I'm going to do just simply me. And then I was like, that's too long. So then eventually JSM Fitness. So a lot of people don't know JSM Fitness actually stands for just simply me fitness. And the and the notion behind that is because I just simply want people to be a better version of themselves. You know, Ooh. people come to me and they're like, I want a booty like yours, I want something like J-Lo, I want a butt like Beyonce. And in reality, you know, we were genetically built the way that we are. And we can only become a better version of ourselves and build ourselves to have the lean muscle physique to our own body mechanics and makeup. So I inspire everyone, clients, non-clients, people who watch me online. You know, it's you versus you. And you should only want to look in the mirror and be better than the person you were yesterday. So just me is 
just become a simple, simple version of yourself. And now she is in fitness, so. Wow, come on. Yeah. I'm ready to go work out right now. Shoot, hearing that story got me fired up. I'm curious, I wonder if you could talk about, it made me think like just this meme that I saw recently and it was like uh, a picture of someone smiling there, like what people think running a business is like. And then it was another picture of like Whitney Houston or Harold, <laughs> like what actually what really goes behind the scenes. And I think speaking to the point you had around like being vulnerable, I wonder if you could talk to some of the challenges that you've experienced with being an entrepreneur and trying to grow your business. And what has that been like for you, especially with being a mom? Yes. So there are many challenges. I mean, many, many challenges, you, you know, just coming up with so many different ideas for my brand, from different clothing. And, and I remember in 2012, I came out with leggings. I was like, okay, I'm going I'm to come out with leggings. I found a vendor. It was a very cheap vendor. And, you know, everybody saw what I was doing and they were hyping me, really like, oh my God, Lila, we see you, you doing you. So I'm like, I'm about to make bag. I'm about to make money. And I remember spending like $2,500 on a whole bunch of leggings, but it was just like random different type of leggings, checkers, pyramids, stripes, rainbow. It, it, it really, it was no focus on what type of legging I wanted. It was just any legging. And I remember, you know, the part that crushed me is when I dropped it and I promoted it and people were like, I'm going to support you. I spent $2,500 and I made about $100 back. <laughs> like, literally only $150 and I was so questioned I was just was like oh, these people were telling me we support you we see yeah for sure we support we're gonna do this we're gonna do that so I'm like I want to go all in mind you I'm a single mom you know at that time I'm in school um I'm in between jobs so to drop $2,500 I think that was my tax money that wasn't money that I had from working and saving it was like it's my tax money I'm gonna put it aside for me and my you know me and my son at that time and then the rest, I want to invest in my business. And to see that the support was very, very minimum, and to see that I didn't you know, make any investment, it really sat me down. And it was like, okay, Leela, what is your true purpose and mission of doing this? I, I had got so consumed with everyone hyping me and we're going to support, and I was just doing money, money, money. And truly, when I stopped chasing money and started chasing my purpose, that's when God started to bless me abundantly in all areas of my life. And at that point, you know, it was just me having a conversation with myself about sitting down and really seeing like, who is my target audience? What is the message that I'm trying to convey? Um, whether people hide you or not, what is the purpose behind you and the mission behind you doing what you're doing? Are you doing it for the hype? Are you doing it for the like? Are you doing it because you're passionate about something? And when I started to, you know, make it come full circle and come back to the table, and start to focus on my passion, that's when I started to get very creative. But it is still a journey because you have times where you think that, you know, you're putting something out there and it's what people want. And then, you know, you'll learn. Like, uh, you'll get a response back from the community or from your consumers. Uh, that's not really what they want. So it's always a trial and error about staying so focused on your goals, but also being able to, to market your goals, you know, to be able to reach the people that you want to reach. and I still work a regular job. So I tell people I work my nine to five and I come home and work five to nine. So mm. that within itself, me always being tired, you know, me barely getting rest, but doing it with a smile on my face. And people don't see that. They don't see, you know, the times where your hair is sticking up, you know, and you in a t-shirt and just 
your underwear and you package an order, then you so frustrated answering emails of questions that you've already answered and also dealing with different personalities of people that will just reach out to me and say, hey, I want you to work me out. You know, where are you train at? And not respectfully approaching you know, like, or hey, what about this? Or my order didn't come yet. Where is this? And people don't people don't realize like I'm in a process right now where I'm the person who emails you back. I'm the person who processes your order. I'm the person who packages your order. You know, I, I just recently got an assistant this year. Shout out to Mary. I'm so thankful for her. But I am literally I'm acting like Keisha, Lanisha, Leela, Ronisha. You know, I'm acting like all because people just be so so you know they just be so like and I don't think people like realize like when it comes to especially black owned businesses we need that same energy that you get fashion over when they don't see your order in 10 days right. you know what I'm saying I need the same energy you get at McDonald's when they give you cold nuggets and you go to the vegan hair chef and you saying you ain't in line for 45 minutes but you wait in the jack-in-box line for an hour we yes. are really getting it out the mud, and there is now I can say with my friends, vegan his chefs, they are they are at a level where you know they're able to, you know, they have their food truck, they're able to be you know presented, promoted, and things like that. But we got it out the mud with no handouts. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like we do everything when it comes to our business. So for me, there's still challenges to this day, and I just want people to realize that entrepreneurship is not easy and it's not for the weak. And you have to have a greater purpose than just money to do what you do. You have to love what you do to survive this entrepreneurial journey. If you don't love what you do, you know, it's like only strong survive. You don't love what you do. Oftentimes, you know, you're going to quit. But, but I think you said something very key that our viewers need to pay attention to. You have to find something that you, you love and you're passionate about because at yeah. that point, it's not about the money. You know what I'm saying? You really love helping people. You've seen that transformation mm -hmm. or whatever the case may be. And I think a lot of people find different things that make money. Right. And then when they get into it and it, it becomes those hard times, it's hard to stick with it because there's no true passion there. Yeah. You know, there's no foundation. In the days that get tough for me, I think that I always zone back in and remember my why. You know, Lila, you're overwhelmed, you're stressed, you're tired. We all are. But what is your why? And when I when I zone back in on my why being my children and my family and my passion to really change the world, and I know it, it, it doesn't, it won't change with just me, but I know there's other people like you, the vegan hood chef, cat fitness, the healthy hoodlum that are trying and that we are building this platform you guys have created this platform to allow other people to come on here um i think that we can do it you know one hood at a time one person at a time it's not going to be easy but we can at least change people's mindset a little bit to give them something to look forward to so the days that i feel like giving up and the stress and the work is overwhelming me um to answer your question ronisha in a whole i just going back in on my why and when i remember my why it refills me and, re and rejuvenates me to keep going so, get fired up all over again. Yeah. So, so let's talk about. Oh, go ahead, Amy. No, I was just want to ask you. Uh, you talked about like your family and the impact of your family. Just wanted to know what are some of the ways that your business has influenced your family, holistic, but then also like entrepreneurship. Like, yeah. So, 
uh, with my mom seeing different people transformations that I've helped, it has inspired her to eat healthy. You know, I have one parent left, so I preach that to my mom all the time. You know, just wanting to eat her healthy, keep her around, and for her to see my own transformation within myself. Um, she's always inspired. Like I'm so proud of you, and you know, I was somewhere and. She showed up my picture like, hey, that's my trainer. And she was so shocked. And she was like, wow, like my daughter is really changing people's lives. And to see how people react to, you know, me helping them has inspired her. And then with my niece, I have a niece, um, Ashanti, she started her own business. She so she was 17, her last line. And she was like, Auntie, you motivate me every day. Like, normally people are on Instagram and they're looking at the data waiters or the little babies. And she was like, I see people that I didn't even know know you reposting my auntie. And I'm like, that's my auntie. So, you know, it's just continuing to show my family that you can do it with and without a handout and always inspiring them and motivating them, you know, to keep going, that it doesn't get easy, tagging them into different resources. So when I see you guys post things, I'm tagging them. You know, they always see me like, auntie, you're always doing something. You're on a pop-up shop, you're doing this. And then they see the, you know, they see me reap the rewards. Like, wow, you own a store now wow, you're able to be featured on this and on that. So I think all in all, being the change that we wish to see. And, you know, when I'm doing things, I can I keep that in my mind, say, Lila, be the change that you wish to see. And, you know, if I can teach my family that and to show them that, and also show them the positive and the, you know, the, positive and the negative and keep it real with them, you know, they, they respect that. And it, it inspires them to keep going too, so. I think I think we got some, some Johnsons out there shouting you out. We got Darren. Uh, Darren Johnson saying the Johnson family. <laughs> we also got uh, <laughs> we also got uh, Karen out there. She says, uh, "Nice, you guys love listening. Go ahead, Leela, shouting you out." And then what else we got out there going on? Darren, uh, what's that? We ate well. We grew up drinking water, and we home cooking organic foods. That's what's up? So even though even though my parents weren't really plant based, my dad he really also had a holistic healing. So anytime we were sick, he was like making soup. You know, he was drinking always drinking herbal teas, organic coffee. You know, he always with the steak and potatoes in the morning. He had like fresh fruit. He would like take us to these different farms and different counties around the Bay area and have us like picking fruit and stuff. So you know, we were always raised like holistically, um, just like my family practiced more like Chinese herbal healing medicine than Western medicine. Like, and you know, obviously they say like in our community, black people don't like to go to the doctor, but I think my parents healed themselves from not going to the doctor. So I used to think that was a bad thing. Like, man, what you mean? Like your pressure fills up or you're there, you better go to the doctor. And my dad would be like, nope, put that onion, put it in my sock, give me yeah. some ginger. He was always more like, Ginger and lemon, and putting like you know, he would even put down south, he was tapped in. He put like actual, like real cinnamon sticks in in the boiling water on the stove, and like rose petals and stuff. And I'm like, what is he? I thought he was weird. My pops, my pops, back in the day, y'all ever had a hottie toddy when y'all was sick? 
So how do you tidy? You get yeah. you warm up some alcohol and the tea and everything. And man, that was that that was their cough syrup back in the day, right? They didn't go to the store and get cough syrup. They just get some alcohol, some tea, some lemon, yeah. some honey, and then boom, you hit a shot. You sweat the cold out, right? You, you sweat everything out. You detox. And we lived next to a 99 cent ranch market, so that's when my dad got all of his foods and herbal stuff. And he would just always be like, this the true medical You know, I wish he would have like transitioned to a plant-based diet and went that deep with it. Um, but he would always tell us like the true medicine is in the food. So like all of these documentaries and Dr. Sadie that we are we are now having access to see now, literally when I tell you like I remember some cartoon shows when my dad would sit us in front of the TV and we were watching like documentaries about health, Chinese medicine, African culture, healing of this and healing with that. And, you know, it was just, we just had a completely different environment. So I think my parents for that, and even at that time, I always thought we were just different from everyone. It, you know, it makes sense now. Like me transitioning to a plant-based diet going on three years now, Everything that my dad did, everything that my mom did, it makes sense. And I wish they would have transitioned to vegan, but still the little things that they did, it, it's still part of me now. So being exposed at a, a young age to like uh, alternative medicine, you're saying played a huge part in who you are today. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what Heal the Hood is all about. You know, you know, bringing that to inner city communities. Um you know, exposing people to different ways of eating, different ways of healing, you know, thinking, really thinking and understanding that your food is your medicine at the end of the day, if you allow it to be, right? What are you really putting into your body? Is it adding to your body? Or is it taking away? Is it adding to your mental? Is it taking away from your mental? Is it adding to your spiritual? Like, what are we doing at the end of the day? Like, even with the, the music and the things that we expose ourselves through social media, what are those things you know, really adding or taking away from our lives as we expose ourselves to it. Yeah, that's true. I, I would want to know, uh, like, what you do for fun? Because I think our whole goal around health is to present it away to our, our young folks, just people in general that, like, being healthy is turning up, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, know I know you personally, so I know you, like, you don't drink, you don't smoke. And I think there's just a misconception that, like, those type of people aren't able to enjoy themselves. Like I want to, I want you to share just like what does a turn up look like for Leela? Like how you turn up? So for me, I tell people I always been naturally high. So a turn up <laughs> for me, like this past weekend, one of my really good friends, Jasmine, she got married, and her groomsmen party. They're from the East Coast, so they weren't from here. So I'm like, okay, they're like plan some stuff for them to do. So I'm looking like for clubs and stuff because me, I'm like, you know that's what people want, and they come to the bay, so they want to see that flavor, but really things are kind of closed right now because of COVID. So we really were in the Airbnb. We went to Walmart, they went to Walmart, they bought a better board game, Connect Four, cards, checkers. I mean, everything you name it, Jenga, all type of games. And we were really turning up. Like we was playing all those games. They were still drinking and like some people still drinking and smoking. Don't get me wrong. And we was just having like a real house party. You know what I'm saying? And it was, it, it was social distance for it wasn't a lot of people. For those that are watching. You better stop lying. You know y'all wasn't social distancing in that house. <laughs> I got tested for COVID, you know. So, but, um, 
Honestly, for me turning up, it looks like different things. I can go to I can go to a party, but nowadays I do prefer to go places that I know, like family or really, really close friends. The world is really crazy, and these younger generations are just very high headed and doing a lot of things that I, I can't put myself in situations being a mom and trying to protect myself. But um, I love music. I love dancing. I love the old school hyphy music. You know, um, I love just like playing board games, cracking jokes, and just being with my family and close friends and just really like listening to music and dancing like nobody watching, whether that's twerking, whether that's surfing, whether that's crumping or dancing. Like, I love just being able to be around genuine love and being around people that I feel safe with. So I can turn up. Like, over the weekend, they like, Rula, we want what you drinking. And I'm like, Agua, why? I've never been a drinker or a smoker because I, I had a bad experience, like one time. And I'm a hypochondriac. It take one time for me. And I'm like, nah, I don't want to feel like that. So, but like turning up with my family and close friends and listening to some good music, good food, and just having a good time, seeing people laughing, smiling, genuinely enjoying each other. So, since you were at our first heel of the hood, right? I know you didn't really know what to expect, but once you got there and got to the vibe and saw what was really going on with the event and everything, can you explain that experience to our viewers? Oh my gosh. I don't even think there's a word to explain it. Like, if you weren't there, you truly missed out because the hood like, it's something that you can't, like, I can say all the type of words, but it's really energy that you felt like you need to be in the room. But when I came, it was just seeing the fresh produce in the community and different faces of the community. Like, it, it's not about, you know, it wasn't just, like, only Black people there. You know, we had Chinese people there. We had Latino people there. You know, it was like a community environment. And to see, like, everyone collectively coming together, you know, and just the different speakers that spoke about their different journeys and you guys had it very organized. It was a very organized event. You could tell that you worked hard daily. Um, the produce was fresh, like fresher than Trader Joe's sprout anywhere. It was like super, super fresh, comfortable. Yeah, they had the kiwi berries. That was the first time we had the kiwi berries. I'm still in love. No, my first time having kiwi berries. Uh -huh. Kiwi berries was. Hell look good. I was like, what the hell is a kiwi berry? They're so fire. Um, and then you guys also gave plants and then being able to walk through the garden. So, like I said, it, it was an experience that you would have to just be there. But, you know, overall, it was very organized. It was community felt. It was, you know, positive energy felt. And the messages across the board was very powerful. And, you know, you guys, you know, put in all our together. And I'm very appreciative of that because I learned a lot of things that I didn't even know just about being plant-based and different things within the community and also what the community needs. You guys also talk about like what we need more of and need to see more in the community. So it also was a platform that educated me more about healing the hood. Even though I was one of the speakers, you guys actually educated me about how I can further heal the hood in the community. So I'm very thankful for that. Very, very thankful. Mm -hmm. What's your like favorite go-to meal? First question. The second question was like, what was your favorite unhealthy meal to eat? Are you talking um, about pre-vegan pre or post-vegan? Pre-vegan. 
Ooh, so my favorite go-to meal, free vegan. Ooh, I don't want to get hungry. <laughs> but I can't. What's your favorite go-to meal, post-vegan, favorite unhealthy snack, free vegan? Okay, so favorite healthy meal, post-vegan, I would say, um, ooh, so you know what? I had this, it was this, um, it was a mushroom, it was a hoagie sandwich, but it was like, it was like, bell peppers, all onions, all of that good stuff. And it was like a hoagie. And I remember I had that. It was in LA though, but I had it. And uh, my other favorite meal that I actually got from the vegan hood chef was chicken and waffles. And then they had like a lobster macaroni and cheese. Oh my God. I think so, that lobster mac, lobster mac and cheese y'all y'all uh, won the mac off with. Yeah, we threw the yeah. yeah. I remember that mac and cheese boy. <laughs> that shit, <laughs> that shit was off the hook. The chicken waffle took me by surprise because they have it with Hennessy syrup, and I don't drink. So I remember, I'm like, I love syrup. So I'm like, ooh, I'm drizzling it. I'm feeling a little buzz. I'm like, ooh, okay, okay. <laughs> My head started hurting a little bit because I don't drink. So I was like, I read their menu. I said, Hennessy syrup. I said, oh, this guy Hennessy. And I think I somebody. And I was like, is this real Hennessy? They're like, yeah, it's Hennessy syrup. But it tasted very good. Like, for me not to be a drinker, it still tasted very flavorful. Um, the presentation was good. But definitely the lobster mac cheese, top one. The vegan chicken, and then mushroom hoagie. And then, what is my favorite pre-vegan sweet? Yeah, unhealthy. Like, what was your favorite unhealthy meal that you ate? Yeah, what kind of junk food did you eat prior to becoming oh, vegan? Oh, my gosh. Everything. I mean, <laughs> oh, my gosh. I really <laughs> love food. So, because, you know, because pre-vegan, I really love seafood. My mom is from down south. So, it's like noodles with, like, and then my mom used to make these, she still makes some salmon croquettes. Yeah. So that was like fucking great. And then um, I really love gumbo. Oh my God, the seafood gumbo. Like, Have you tried the seafood yeah. gumbo at, uh, at Vegan Mile? No, gumbo? I haven't. You got to try that. Man, that's okay. good. I'm <laughs> a sweet person, so I love like just every sweet. So like, you know, the apple pie and vanilla ice cream. Like, I loved ice cream. So dairy was my thing, and then cheese was my thing. Like, I needed cheese on tacos, grilled cheese, cheese quesadilla. So, yeah, all that all that mucus stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Everything that clogs us up at the end of the day. They had, they had me, you know, really I learned with comedian, like, growing up eating southern food, you you think like you're fulfilled when you have the itis. Like after a meal, you like oh, the itis. Grandma put her foot in it. Mama put her put her whole socket. But really, you know, I learned you're not supposed to feel heavy after eating. Like that's like a side effect that that you know you're not eating healthy food. You're clogging your arteries and it's too heavy over your heart and your chest. So I used to love all those foods that gave me the itis. <laughs> so so quick question. For those that haven't seen you and that that's listening to our podcast, they need to go check out your page at JSM underscore fitness, right? Um, yeah. And now people knowing that you've been vegan for three years, that, that you've been on that journey, how do you stay curvy? 
You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of people think, you know, as soon as you go vegan, you're going to get skinny. You're going to be little. But you are far from a little woman. You know what I'm saying? You are, you are curvy in all the right places. So for those that think like that, how did you keep your body in that particular shape? Yeah, so that's funny because that's the first thing when people find out plant based, they're like, "You're vegan." I'm like, "They're like, how?" And I'm like, "What you mean? How?" They're like, "Look at you. How are you vegan?" So, um, Girl, you've been eating that cornbread. That's <laughs> that vegan cornbread. So, in contrary to belief, like, there's a lot of protein you can get from vegan sales. So, me, I have my plant, and like I tell people, have this notion that when you're plant based, you only eat celery, carrots, and lettuce. Where they have this notion that your meals are very tiny. I'm like, I am plant based, I'm vegan, and I love to eat. So I'm always making sure every meal that I consume has some type of protein in it. And it you know, and that's even if I'm doing like before my or after my workout, I may even do a protein shake, or you know, I may just you know do eat foods like I eat a lot of lentils, whole beans, whole greens. My diet consists of a lot of whole foods that have those nutrients plant-based protein that you need, you know, in your nutrition and in your diet to keep the curve. And also weightlifting. You know, I think oftentimes people do a lot of cardio, which, you know, is nothing wrong, you know, with that. But for me, just encouraging people to weightlift and encouraging women that just because you lift weights, you're not going to look masculine. I think that's another misconception. Like, if we lift heavy weights, we're going to look masculine. So, being plant based, you can give it. So how many a days? A, of, how many days a week do you lift? Like, do you actually get in there and hit the weights and everything? Literally three. Yeah. Like people think I work out all day, every day, three times a week. That's it. I mean, I want to, as my thirtieth birthday approaches in December, I, I want to start this week working out five days a week because I just have like a goal I want to get. But I just work out three days a week, and I mean literally forty-five minutes to an hour. It but you really work in my home. I went to one of your classes. <laughs> <laughs> you, you went to one of the classes over there, Renisha? I worked out with one time. We did a live. I was playing so hard. It was me and my cousin. I was like, girl. But if Ranisha You do a lot of body weight because I, I think I read a post that said that you just started lifting. Or just yes. And that's so, another thing. That's a common misconception, too, that people think you just need to lift in order to build a lot of muscle. And I think you you're a good example to that calisthenics work. Um, and you can yeah. all day, I think, and lift and heavy iron and not necessarily build real like body strength or endurance. Yeah. And so yeah. And I do, I'm <laughs> so just to clarify, like, you know, with, with my line, I have an over-distant training band. So it's not just like physical weight that I'm using, but just like using your body weight. And even when I have clients, when we start off, even male clients are like, give me the 50s and 100s on my list. If you cannot squat your own body weight, I'm not putting dumbbells in your hand. You know, if you can't do a burpee with your own body weight, I'm not putting, you know, a medicine ball in your hand. So I think, like, the, the total misconception of you actually need an object to get to a specific goal and realizing that your body itself is an object. Your body itself is weight. Um and using your own body, finding your own body weight, lifting your own body weight can actually get you the goals. And, um, you know, for me, I, I eat a lot, you know, just all in all, when you're plant-based, you got to eat a lot. Cause, you know, you're always, for me, I'm always hungry, but just like lentils, whole beans, 
and I do do the healthy carbs. So, you know, like the sweet potatoes and things like that, but just knowing when to properly eat those type of meals and how to break them down and using them to your advantage is also key because people tell me, I see people that are vegan and they're not, you know, they're not healthy. And I remember being not vegan where when I first started off, I was gaining a lot of weight and I'm like, why am I gaining weight? But I'm eating plant-based. I was eating a lot of processed foods, a lot of the frozen foods, a lot of Beyond Burgers, a lot of, um, and maybe y'all can clarify this. Is Oreos vegan? I still don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because somebody but like, no. You're not going to lose no weight on no Oreo. <laughs> but I was eating a lot of that. Like, I'm like, oh, I can eat Oreos because they're vegan. Oh, I can eat these gummy bears because they're vegan. Yeah, that, and I think that's that's a huge misconception when people think about, you know, going vegan, right? They say because it's vegan, it's healthy. And that's far from the truth, right? Yeah. It's like you were saying earlier, it's being more so on a plant-based whole food diet. So you reap the benefits of the health aspect of going plant-based right and then also not eating enough like when people say they can't like you know when they made that transition and they were like oh i wasn't feeling too good a lot of times you weren't eating enough calories you know what i'm saying you can eat a lot more food when you're on a plant-based whole food diet your your servings are a lot bigger and it's it kind of contradicts what people are taught when it comes to um you know the western diet you know big piece of meat and then, you know, a side of vegetables or whatever the case may be, a little bit of carbs. You're eating, you know, you can eat more carbs when it comes to like the quinoas, the brown rices and stuff like that, because it, it that's what fuels the body. The car the 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 complex carbs are what fuels our body and gives us energy to do those 45 minute to an hour workouts that we need. And then our body shreds through the fat and uses that as fuel. You know, so nah, that's that. That was great advice that you're giving. And that's why some of my clients when they come to me, they're like, "I love carbs." And I'm like, "Listen, we need carbs. You need carbs to build, but yeah, it's about the carbs, carbs. vegetables with carbs. Well, the carbs put in the right kind of carbs. The right, and then also with being plant based, realizing that you also have to do your herbs. So, like, I do a lot of sea moss, bladder wrack, you know, things like that. That helps me. Um, after having my kids, I, I had low iron because I lost a lot of blood with my son. So, you know, they diagnosed me with anemia, which I don't, you know, I don't, I don't really claim that. I had been able to bring my levels up just off of a plant-based diet. I remember going to the doctor and they were like, whoa, you went from a six or eight to like this. Have you been taking the iron pills? I'm like, no, I changed my diet, you know, and that was a motivation for me also to go plant-based because... Um, I was dealing with like anemia and depression and also like food can actually feed that depression. Food can actually, you know, it can either feed it in a good way or, you know, feed it in a bad way. So for me, eating all those processed foods and meat and dairy, going through depression, it actually made me more depressed. And when I transitioned to a plant-based diet, you know, my mind was less foggy. Like it just changed me overall, you know, just overall, like it just helped me. So. So well, what, people what fail to realize our gut is our second brain. You know what I'm saying? Like what what we're putting into our gut affects our immune system and everything else that's going into our body. So if, if we're putting a lot of uh, like that was part of my experience when I was putting a lot of dead animals into my my system and found myself going through depression and anxiety and start to cut everything out. 
when I was doing my kind of just like my 30 day trial just to see how it would feel. That was one of the big things that I noticed. It was like, man, I was like, I didn't know how much what you put in your gut affects your mental health. You know what I'm saying? Uh, nobody really talks about that. And for it to go hand in hand, it's like, man, like a lot of us, we just we think that's just life. You know, life you you come with the you be being depressed or or having anxiety is just a part of life. And when you have to really just really think about what you're putting into your system and how you're grounding yourself, if you're meditating and just all different kind of things to kind of keep you just level headed. Yeah, and I and I. My depression, I remember how I got so deep where they wanted to prescribe me medication, my doctor. Yeah. And I was addicted because, you know, again, the teachings of my father was, was instilled in me. And I'm like, I don't need a medication because, you know, even though I work in the medical field, but for me, there's a lot of things out there to control. You never hear a doctor prescribe you something to cure the condition that you have. It's high blood pressure to control your hypertension, you know. You have insulin to control your diabetes. You have this to control your cholesterol. If we're taking medication, I want to take something that's going to cure this disease. That's the purpose. I don't want it anymore. And when I tell people the cure is in the food, it's us to heal ourselves. Mm -hmm. These medications are just going to control. And in fact, they can actually retroact and make the condition worse. You know, I had my nephew who dealt with asthma for years, childhood asthma from age four to 10. And he was on a lot of steroid medication where it actually inflamed him. He gained a lot of weight, a lot of weight, a lot of weight. And, you know, with being on that asthma medication, you know, in, in all honesty, it was a negative effect on him. You know, my nephew, he passed away in 2015. He was only 10 years old. And he went into cardiac arrest. He was very having a hard time to breathe and needed a breathing treatment. And when he went to reach for his breathing treatment, he went into cardiac arrest and died. He was only 10 years old. So for me, seeing the transition in him being on steroid medication and asthmatic medication and how he was getting bigger and bigger and bigger and harder to breathe and harder to maintain, um, but they're prescribing me medications to control to help, you know, I just wish that I knew what I knew now to be able to help and heal my nephew myself because it was really in the food. And the real medication is the food. Um, and that's how we are going to, you know, heal our hoods and save our babies and help our family. And that's where I was talking about the childhood obesity. Like, it, it's not just our children, but it's also in the adults. You know, like, we are their first teachers. We are their first everything. And, you know, it's up to us to educate our children to provide that environment. Um, and yeah, you know, it, it, the, the healing is in the food. The healing is truly in the food. So based on that, what is a typical meal that you serve in your house for you and your children? So my kids, they love, um, we eat a lot of mushrooms. So um, I say, yeah, so my son, he loves when I make like this, like I say it's like an Asian garlic mushroom. And it's just like mushroom saute with like onions, um, you know, garlic powder, that different type of stuff. And then I put it over like some brown rice. And then I make like, you know, some just like vegetables. And it could be like some saute, um, zucchini with bell pepper. And they love it. I also make um, spaghetti. So I make like, a, I use like a whole grain pasta and I make like the spaghetti sauce. And I let my kids actually help me cook. 
And I think that's what gives him more intrigue to want to eat it. So like, oh, mommy, can I cut up the tomatoes? Can I do this? Can I do that? Mm-hmm. My kids also love salad. So we'll do like salad and we'll do like a raw salad. So my kids will actually eat raw salads with me. And we'll do like, you know, we'll throw um, collard greens in there. We'll throw kale in there, tart in there. We'll put some um, lagunis in there. We'll do um, onions, avocado. My daughter will eat a whole avocado. So, and then they love smoothies. So we do a lot of smoothies at home. Like smoothies is like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like they'll be like, mommy, can I have a smoothie before you make dinner? Okay. So, <laughs> can't be mad at that, right? Working. I do admit that our cheat meals in my home that I'm plant based will be our cheat meals. I make like these vegan tacos and it's a beef with ground beef and Trader Joe's. So I know that stuff is not always the healthiest, but to me, that's my cheat meal. So some people are like, when you're vegan, what is your cheat meal? So my cheat meal, I don't really do the Beyond Meat, um, I don't really do that type of stuff. But like the beefless ground beef potato dough, I'll you know I'll make that for my kids and I'll make tacos and then we'll have it with like some black beans and some rice and they love it. And then I'll also use it to make like the spaghetti sometimes, or we make our own burgers. So I'll actually like you know do the black beans, breadcrumbs, and we'll like put it in the food processor and we'll actually be making the patties. Sometimes we freeze them and then we'll um, we'll make them the next day. So. Yeah. It's so interesting. It's got me hungry now. Sure. That uh, youth or young folks won't want to be vegan. Um, and I think it's maybe you introduce your kids too. It's funny because I, I have some guy, I have hella guy kids. Like, and I also have nieces and nephews. And I think, I think young people are like so much closer to the source where hella my nieces and nephews, and they don't actually even like to eat meat. And so I have a lot of their parents who will call and contact me like, I don't know what to feed them. I don't know. They think something's wrong with them. When I think genuinely, you know, that they they aren't attracted to it, you know, and I think that has a lot to do with us following a lot of what we've been introduced to and not necessarily what our bodies really not taste right. Yeah. And I think that's true because my daughter, she's three years old. And um, when she was born, she was born completely plant-based. My son was was nine now. And from birth, I only gave her breast milk, no formula. Um, I breastfed her all the And then I was actually giving her, I was making her food. So I was blending up the avocado, blending up the apples. Like I made her food. I never gave her baby food, box food, box oatmeal, none of that. She ate like real oats from oatmeal, you know, real brown rice, things like that. Um, so when she, I remember there was a time on the holidays, we went to my mom's house. And I think they had like barbecue chicken, brisket, something like that. And they had fried chicken. And I remember my mom went to give her a piece of fried chicken. And my daughter, she looked at it like it was so foreign. She was like, no, I don't want that. You know? And my mom was like, you better eat this chicken, girl. And she was trying to give her like some gravy and stuff. My daughter was like, no, no. And she was screaming for me. So I told her, what's going on? And she was like, why she don't eat this chicken? And why she won't eat this? I'm giving her the pork chop with the gravy. She don't want to eat it. What's wrong with her? And I was like, well, she, she was raised and taught to eat hot at home, which is strictly plant-based. I don't bring meat or animal products to my home. But when she started to get older, people would be weird. They would feel weird that, like, your daughter won't eat a hot dog at the cookout, or she won't eat this. And it's like... It's starving your baby. It's like <laughs> and they're like, you're depriving her. Not just even my mom, but people around me be like, you're depriving her of a childhood. Like, 
What kid don't like pepperoni pizza? What kid don't like a hot dog? Like, give that baby some meat. And she's going to be skinny and she's going to be this. And I'm like, just like you guys are used to meat. And when you see me at 4th of July, I actually made vegan hot dogs from carrots. I marinated them overnight. I, I found on YouTube. And I marinated them and I put them on the grill. And people was looking at me like I was crazy. And it's like, just like you guys are born eating meat and you see something that's plant-based and it's foreign to you, my right. daughter is the opposite. She's plant-based. And when she sees meat, it's foreign to her and she doesn't like it. Just like you may not gravitate towards eating like a vegan macaroni and cheese. You're like, wait, you don't have regular cheese? and don't have dairy? So like I had to tell them, kids will gravitate to what you introduce them to. So when they're babies and you give them nothing but fruit first and sweet first, that's why they say I don't like vegetables. Because you introduce their palate to sweet foods first. So now when they eat vegetables or whole grains, it's nasty to them. Um, so like that's what I tell people. My daughter is introduced to a plant-based diet, so she'll go for eat a whole grapefruit, a smoothie, and to other people, that's me being militant and depriving my child of a childhood when I'm like, no, in reality, this is her reality. Right. You know, right. to her, to her, drinking a smoothie is like candy. You know, like she'll go to somebody's house. My mom would say, I try to give her, I ain't gonna lie, I try to speak her some juice. And she was like, I want water. My yes. son would be like, my son would go to Peter's house on his dad's side and he asked his auntie, like, do you have lemon water? Do you have chia seeds? And she was like, yeah, like I went to the store and I bought Capri Suns and, and these kids don't eat none of that. What do they eat? And I'm like, well, this is their reality at home. Like, they tell me, my, like, do you make the juice that my mommy make? And I put agave, water, and lemon. And and I remember auntie was like, I'm at the store buying agave, water, and lemon. Where do I find agave at? Like, this boy won't drink <laughs> So to me, I think it's like what our kids are taught. And like I said, my son growing up with, with me, when he was born, I was a meat eater. So his transition, I allowed him to decide on him by himself. He saw that I wasn't eating meat. And he's like, mommy, you make me a burger or you make me spaghetti with meat in it. And you'll make you and my sister something separate. Why don't you eat meat? And I told him the reason why I'm behind it. And he was like, what really convicted me was, he was like, well, why would you want me to eat that way? If you don't eat that way, why would you want me to eat that way? <laughs> and, and, you know, and for me, I just was like, well, I didn't want to make, I didn't want to feel like I was forcing you to transition because you grew up seven years off of me. You know what I'm saying? Six years off of me. Who am I to say, take away the pizza, take away the burgers? Like, I slowly was doing it, but I wasn't, like, forcing it. And then my son was like, well, I don't want to eat it no more either. And he would go to people out. Don't give me no meat. It's not good for you. <laughs> I have to. I have to. You walk around slapping people with pepperoni pizza out their head. You know what that is? My mother told me. <laughs> and down because he's very vocal, so he would see people eating meat and be like, "You know that could cause cancer." And I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> "That's so <laughs> That's real though. He's gonna be in kindergarten like, slapping everybody's little milk out their hand. People, you know that causes mucus. People eat milk with seal. He like, you know that's cow pest. You know they really don't. They don't really check the animals. You know chickens make their eggs in the same coop with they they poop. And I'm like, oh, everybody don't want to eat that. Like, that boy preach. Right. That little young Malcolm preach. 
He's going to be walking around school with a bow tie and a suit preaching, letting these kids know. You know, I have to come just come from more of an edu- educating standpoint because you do have those aggressive vegans where I know people yeah. that when they find out that I'm vegan, they're like, oh, I don't want to eat in front of you. You finna convict right. me. I'm like, no, I'm not. You eat how you eat. Now, if you ask me about the benefits and you ask me about my eating, I'm going to educate you. But I never want to impose or force my belief on anybody. So I just have to tell my son, like, you can educate them because some people, even other kids, nieces and nephews, they'll get irritated. Like, can you be quiet where they would start bullying him? Like, that's why you won't be skinny. And I, you know, so I have to like educate him, like Colin, educate people around you, but also don't make fun of them because they're different. Because there was a point in time where your mom and you, we didn't know better either. So, you know, just you, you can preach to him, but just don't be so, because he would be obsessive in restaurants. Ugh, he ordered a, he ordered chicken. Do you know what I'm talking you know what's so funny y'all why do people feel so guilty once they find out somebody's not doing people like really feel guilty like you don't have to say anything they just know that you don't do it and they're like oh i don't i don't want to eat around you and like why why you think that's gonna affect me you putting that into your body that ain't doing nothing to me <laughs> Enjoy your yeah. Well, we're getting we're getting towards the end of the show, y'all. We we having so much fun on here this evening. I I, I wish we could talk a little bit longer. But uh Miss Leela Johnson, let them know where they can find you on social media. Let them know where your shop is at in Oakland. If you have any kind of promotions going on for the holidays, tell the people where they can support your black owned business in Oakland. Yes, so you can support my black, my black women owned. I want to say that black women owned business. You know, um, just a shout out to my black women entrepreneurs. I don't think that we also get a lot of credit because we out here grinding just as hard as the fellas. Um, but I am, I am on Instagram at JSM underscore fitness. They do have it going across the screen if you're tuning in. Um, my store is in Oakland, so it's 4727 Telegraph Avenue, right in Oakland. Which is store hours? Um, store hours right now are Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. As we transition to the holidays, they will change, and I will have that posted on my social media, so please make sure you are following me. Um, I do have Black Friday sale coming up. You're going to be able to receive up to 50% off. Um, not only do I have fitness apparel, I have snatch bands, sauna suits, sweatbands, resistant training, all of your fitness needs so that you can work out from the comfort of your own home. You can look cute while doing it. Um, you can get a great sweat and you can have all these things to help you in the process of transforming your body. Um, again, you got a website we can go to too? If you can't get down to the store? Yeah, website right now is um, www.jsm.com fitness.net um, again you want to follow me on instagram because i'm actually going to be relaunching a new website come black friday that will also be linked in my bio um it's just like a more up-to-date better website with so many things on there for me doing podcasts to doing work in the community you'll have access to see where we are going to be at next where's your fitness going to be at next who podcast show she's going to be at um but yeah support me i'm a mompreneur I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a black woman in business, and I got it myself. So when you support me, just know that you're not just supporting 
me, but you're supporting my children, you're supporting my legacy, and you're supporting me to continue on with life of building this legacy for my entire family. So thank you for your support. And a support is not a dollar amount. Shout me out, follow me, tell a friend about me. All love is still love. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, Man, that's beautiful. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. How do you? Yeah. So, vegan hood chefs. I was gonna say vegan hood chefs. Let them know where they can follow you on social media, and if you have any kind of promotions going on for the holidays. You know, people want some of that good vegan holiday food. If y'all promoting it right now, let them know where the website is. I know you have those delicious sauces, sauces for the holidays. How can we get some of that 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 sauce? Well, so I, we actually uh, stop the sales. We just sold out of our sauces today. What? Wow. Yeah. Damn. We, yeah. we gotta get those back in stock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need a little. We need a little back door order. Menu. I thought y'all was throwing up the this sign. Y'all was like, "Chill out, cat. We don't got no sauce. We don't got no sauce." <laughs> yes. So we have a pop up coming up on the twenty seventh at the Speakeasy um, in on Evans in San Francisco. That's gonna be from two to seven. It's the collaboration um, with Pastor Poppy. Yes, and El Pastor Poppy will be serving a vegan menu, um, and it's super, super, super bomb. Uh, in addition to that, you can find us on all social media platforms at The Vegan Hood Chefs. Um, our website is www.theveganhoodchefs.com, and uh, we also have a hood giving menu, meaning that you can order some pre-ordered. Um, meals for thanksgiving so we're serving mac and cheese we have what amy jambalaya greens beans potatoes (laughs) (laughs) yes and so you can pre-order and then pick up the day before thanksgiving and you know heat reheat it and pop it in the oven and folks may you know think you made a a bomb vegan meal what i do is i don't even tell my family it's vegan i just you know let it come on you just put it out there they're gonna tear it up right (laughs) Right. Okay. Thank you. And I so, would say, if you're going to the Vegan Hood Chefs event from two to seven, you want to be there at twelve o'clock, one o'clock, so they sell out. Two o'clock. Come on. So, let's play the real quick. They are amazing. I'm so proud of them. They are doing amazing things. Stay tuned and tuned into them. But seriously, they sell out really, really quick. Um, I'm a childhood friend, and I had to wait in that line, and it was sold out. <laughs> so, and, and I respect their hustle. So, if they have any events. Come there on time. You may miss it. <laughs> I just want to say a huge thank you to all our viewers tuning in, tuning in today. Uh, you can actually follow us on social media on our Heal the Hood Instagram page. It's Heal underscore Hood underscore uh, the <laughs> underscore Tour. <laughs> we got short in that. Uh oh. Uh oh. you got a man with the plan. Right. Well, yes. Yeah, so we also have a Heal the Hood Facebook. Um, you can find us and uh, we'll Heal the Hood website where we'll be starting to post more of our podcasts and information um, as we keeping this moving and keeping it grooving. And hopefully next year, be able to be back in the community, giving out free meals um, and also education yeah. to people. And Pops, what is the Heal the Hood Facebook? I think that one is Heal the Hood 2020. You said what? The Facebook? Yes. You got yeah. it. You got it. So you guys is Hill the Hood 2020 on Facebook and then Hill the Hood Tour on Instagram. So and make sure you follow Cat Fitness 3 
and the Vegan Hood Chefs, because we'll post updates on there as well. Yeah. And we're also still looking to connect people in the community. So if y'all are uh, doing this work and not necessarily plant-based, I know our Hill the Hood events in the community, we had a lot of plant-based speakers, but we're looking for folks who are just out there doing the work. And so if you are connected to the community in any kind of way and promoting health and wellness and want to be on our platform and talk about what you're doing, engage the audience, please uh, connect with us. And we want to connect with as many people as possible. And y'all don't necessarily have to be in the Bay Area either. So all our followers who are also out of state, um, please, please connect and use this platform. Well, thank you guys for having me. I'm so appreciative of it always. I love you guys very much. I'm very, very proud of you. Keep going. You guys are one of my she heroes. So keep going, keep inspiring, keep motivating. I'm very, very proud of you, Running Shane. Very, very proud of you. And most importantly, I know your parents are proud of you. And, you know, keep going because we need you. You're very valuable in the community. And I think oftentimes we don't give people their flowers out of here. So I want to give you your flowers now and every day. And just, I just want you to know that I genuinely support you, ladies. And keep going. Keep going. I know. I know to give you the flowers, but keep going. Yeah, make me shed a hood tear. Everybody still there? Oh, we back. We back. Hey, we just yeah. had a whole dance break and everything. You missed it. Oh, man. <laughs> the, the, the laptop went down for a second. I was like, oh. I was like, no. Well, we <laughs> I was in the middle of it, but I got it back on. We good? We good, y'all? All right. So make sure y'all tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m., y'all. We're going to see you next time, all right? All right. See you next Peace. time. Peace.